On today's show, the Warriors lost yet another road game, and Dylan Brooks has more words for Draymond Green. Plus, how did Kevin Durant's injury impact the Suns' title chances and why this MVP race just sucks? All of that and so much more on today's Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Locked On NBA Friday. I'm Wes Goldberg, joined by Adam Mares, and we come to you every Friday here on the Locked On NBA feed. However you might be tuning in, YouTube Odyssey, your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. We're going to get to what Kevin Durant's injury means for the Suns' title chances, uh, and we have an updated timetable on that in a second. But let's start with the Warriors, who lost to the Grizzlies, Adam, 131-110. to And at the end of the game, Dylan Brooks was asked about Draymond Green. Of course he was. Yeah, of course he was. Dylan Brooks, Draymond Green, enjoyed a zealous back and forth this week. Um, here is what he had to say. The message that you had to Draymond. That's what I do. I talk. And, you know, I told him. I told I, I told him that, um, you know, keep that mic. Keep that mic. He's better at the mic than hooping. You know what I'm saying? So keep doing this podcast. Keep blogging. Keep doing this thing off the court. You know, it's cute. It's fun for him. What was the message that you had to Draymond? So- that you had to dream on there's the message um adam <laughs> do you enjoy the pro wrestling aspect to all of this and, and can we just go ahead and finally call this a rivalry because i think grizzlies fans have been long saying that hey this is a rivalry the warriors are our rival and you've got warriors fans saying like beat us first and then we can call it a rivalry well the grizzlies were 0 two against the warriors until tonight and the Grizzlies won. The Grizzlies did beat the Warriors tonight. So uh, is it a rivalry now? I mean, yes, but it's kind of like a modern-day rivalry. It's made in a lap. And, I mean, this is one, if you remember, John, back and forth, these two teams, mostly John Morant and Draymond Green, John back and forth each other all last year. And then when the schedule came out, if you recall, John Morant tweets at Draymond Green, we did it. Like, we we tricked the NBA into putting us on Christmas uh, it like to me, it's just also sort of like trite and contrived. And so, yes, it's a rivalry. I think these teams actually don't like each other. And I also think it's a rivalry that was sort of designed and made WWE style, as you referenced. And that makes it a lot more lame to me. I mean, look, it's not the greatest rivalry we ever had, but beggars can't be choosers in today's NBA, right? With the with the player movement and all this kind of stuff, it kind of did feel like we just needed something made in the lab. And I'm okay with it, honestly. Like, I enjoy <laughs> the back and forth. I'm not picky, man. Like, I, I'm good. And um, to me, I always thought the, well, beat us first and then it's a rivalry never really made sense right. to me. I don't know right. why we treat the word rivalry with, like, this, this kind of – like designation, like almost like the same way we treat dynasty, right? Like there's this big conversation. What's really a dynasty is two straight championships of dynasty. I'm like, I don't know. To me, a rivalry is any game that just feels a little bit different. And uh, like, that's it. It's not that big of a deal to me. And there's big, and there's a scale of rivalries. There's great rivalries. And then there's kind of rivalries that are kind of silly like this, but Warriors Grizzlies, you get a whole week of a lead up. Like, in the NBA, we don't get that, right? Like, the NFL every week is, like, leading up to this game. And, like, it just felt like all week it was sort of leading up to Warriors-Grizzlies because of the back and forth. And to me, that's good enough. I mean, I kind of push back, though, on this idea that there aren't rivalries and so you'll take whatever you get. I actually think there are – I don't know if you'd call them rivalries, but there are, like, a lot of players right now vying for the same spots, and that makes for good games. I mean, we've seen – 
Celtics 76ers be contentious. Mm-hmm. We've seen, yeah. um, you know, Knicks Cavs be contentious. So I feel like there's enough natural drama. This Memphis one to me, Memphis just can't get out of their own way. They continue to be annoying. They continue to, you're right that there's, you know, I, I agree with you in principle about this idea of like, you can't have a rivalry, even if one team hasn't gotten over the hump. I mean, Jordan considered the Pistons his rival until right. he beat them. But, you know, at the time, people would say, oh, he's not really our rival. But it was. I think there is something similar to that with with Memphis. I just Memphis needs to figure themselves out first. (laughs) No, that's fair. They've got a lot of things going on. But this was kind of like a nice distraction for them, it felt like, too. Like this was a must win game for them. It was kind of a get right game for them. And they did win. But let's move to the other team here. The Warriors 0-3 since Steph returned. All of them road games. Does not appear to be a coincidence this year that they keep right. losing their road games. They're seven and twenty-six now on the road. Um, like I said, losing tonight to a Grizzlies team that is, was just in disarray in the wake of all the John Morant stuff. What do you make of the Warriors? What's going on with them? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It's it's a weird year, and I think Steph is such a big player that when he's in and out of the lineup, I feel like we've seen this before, Wes, where he's been out and come back, and you think, oh, here it goes, and it's taken a few games. That's sort of what it feels like. I th- a big stretch coming up for them right now to kind of figure things out, get back home, figure things out, and hopefully go on a run. But I think that you look at Andrew Wiggins still being out, yep. and you look at their inability to win on the road all season. I think those things are all concerned. And now this is the year of historical precedent because when you look at the Western Conference, the Warriors, no team wins, right, when they're in the position that they're in, when they have all the indicators that they have, all these different things. And yet I think you still look at at them. If they were to win four or five in a row, you would probably proclaim them back. Yeah, look, nobody – you can't write off the Warriors, right? And it wasn't like they were – they started last year really well and then they got got injured – and then they kind of limped into the playoffs. It wasn't like they were going like they weren't like world beaters going into the playoffs last year, right? This right. was not the number one seed, and it, they came together at the right moment, got through the playoffs. It was a tough playoff stretch for them. It's not like they blasted through the playoffs either. They got through the playoffs and they played a tough Boston Celtics team and won the championship. So, um, but there are some indicators that they had last year that they don't have this year. They're they were kind of quietly one of the best rebounding teams in the league last year. They were top ten in rebounding rate. They're below average now in rebounding rate. You know, they they were an okay free throw shooting team, allowing free, opponent free throws and making their own free throws and getting to the line. This year, they're kind of at bottom of the league in both of those categories. I think they're really over-reliant on Jordan Poole, especially in a game like tonight where Jordan Poole just couldn't stop turning the ball over or missing shots. Um, they're just really, really relying on him. And, uh, and then what struck me as really interesting, Adam, is the TNT broadcast got into the huddle as they do and kind of do the mic'd up thing. And they had Steve Kerr explaining to the team what it is that they had to do when they went small. And that, to me, was unfathomable. Mm. For a Warriors team that's entire identity over their dynasty years was playing small, for Steve Kerr to have to approach that team in the huddle and be like, by the way, this is why we do this, kind of, I don't mean to make too much out of one mic'd up moment, but like the fact that he had to say that in a game, it's almost like, you shouldn't have to say this. It's been 10 years of you guys going small, but not these guys. These guys are really young, and, and I get it, but uh, it just feels like this team doesn't really have that same identity, that they're playing small just to sort of play small, and they don't really have any real advantages outside of Steph Curry. 
The guy that stood out the most to me along the lines of what you're talking about, the guy that stood out to me so much tonight was Jermichael Green. <laughs> he was a minus 17 in 18 minutes. And I think this is where the Wiggins piece of this is, is rough. I still have faith in that starting lineup. They have the number one net rating of all yeah. five-man combos this year. They haven't been together very much, and it's been a long time since they were. But I think that they're still, even though it's only 16 games, there's enough runway for them to get that better. The question is, do they have – does that fix? Is it just like one extra guy gives them just the right amount of depth that you can keep this thing going? And I don't know. I just know Jermichael Green being out there for 18 minutes tonight. He even went three of seven, by the way, in those 18 minutes. And still the Warriors got absolutely demolished while he was on the court. So a good shooting night from him and you're getting killed. He's just – this is why I think the Warriors, while they don't have a lot of positive indicators, the one that they do have is their starting five is phenomenal and they just might have eight guys. And that's enough to get you through a playoff series. They might have eight guys. I don't know. Like, what? Who's to say if Gary Payton's going to be available and if he's right. available, impactful? The Jordan Poole thing, again, not to belabor the point or hammer it too hard, but he was a minus 33 tonight. The The Warriors were outscored by 32 points in the first half when Jordan yeah. Poole was on the floor. And, and it feels like a little, like, I don't know if it's the new contract or the fact that he's got a ring now, but he's doing too much out there. And sometimes it feels like the team just has to be like, do less. And we had that recent thing with Draymond Green basically quitting on the play because Jordan Poole didn't pass it to him. And then earlier in the year when Steph Curry throwing his mouthpiece because Jordan Poole took a shot, it kind of feels like, I don't know, I'm a little surprised that Jordan Poole hasn't gotten punched in the face again based on how <laughs> his teammates are responding to him. Like, But again, uh, he's in the wrong role, right? He's the starting. He's yes. starting right now. When Wiggins comes back, that you, those become bench minutes. And I just think it changes. For a team like that, there's a few teams that are like this in the NBA, by the way, whose identity as a team is surrounded by a five-man lineup. And they are mm -hmm. one of those teams. They yeah. have a very distinct five-man lineup that is their identity. And when that's not there, it changes all the ripple effects for that team. So that's the only reason I look at this and I say when, and I guess at this point, maybe if Wiggins comes back, that if they, they continue to struggle well after that, then I will, that's when I will kind of say, okay, I'm not so sure if this is the year. And the other thing about going back to the home away splits, I mean, the Warriors 7-26 and 26 on the road, 27-7 and seven at home, and you've got people being like, why can't they do more of what they're doing at home if they just play like they do at home? Then you're looking at an elite team. I don't know what to make. It's crazy. I've never, like, home and away splits like that is just nuts. My, where I come down to it, and it's not even scientific, I'm just going to say, you know, the truth is usually somewhere in the middle. They're probably not as good as being 27-7 and seven at home, and they're probably not as bad as being 7-26 and 26 away. And I think when you kind of get into the middle of it, that's still basically a slightly above average team. Right now, they're 34 and 33 after that loss to the Grizzlies. And I think that's right right about where they're at, considering right. that Steph has been injured and, and, and Wiggins is out and everything like that. Like that to me feels right, like a 500-ish basketball team. Does that mean that when Wiggins comes back, they can't come together and make a run? No, it doesn't. But up until this point, this feels about right. Um, They've lost I, three in a row here and they go home, but they go home against Milwaukee and Phoenix before yeah. going on a five-game road trip. So this all of a sudden, Milwaukee, best team in the NBA, and then Phoenix, that's really, really tough matchups. And you kind of need them. I mean, they're all, I don't want to, you know what? I'll go for it. Must win games for the Golden State Warriors here coming up at home. Let's go. Um, all right. Well, talking about must win games. Uh, what does Kevin Durant's injury mean to the Suns title chances? And does the MVP race this year actually suck? We're going to do that next. But first, today's episode is, is sponsored by Better Help. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want 
or why we react the way that we do until we talk through through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to settle and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It's not just for people who have experienced major trauma, although it's for those people too. BetterHelp and therapy can help you with anything that you're dealing with in your life. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, so let's get to Kevin Durant, who suffered a left ankle sprain during warmups before what was supposed to be his home debut Wednesday night. And on Thursday, the Suns announced that Durant will be reevaluated in three weeks. We also have reports from the ES- from ESPN and The Athletic that there's some optimism that Durant can come back closer to two to three weeks. Now, the Suns have a three-game lead for the number four seed in the West, but we're trying to climb in the standings prior to KD getting hurt. Adam, uh, does this injury change your opinion about the Suns and their title chances? Well, first of all, today we didn't even mention it in the first segment, but Wiseman, uh, or I'm sorry, not Wiseman, uh, Kaminga also injured himself yes. in the layup line. So this is two games in a row that the NBA It's an epidemic. It's an epidemic going on of rolled ankles and layup lines. Um, it does, for me, actually change things, change my perspective of the Suns a little bit. I mean, first of all, we don't know how long this injury is going to be. They reevaluated in two weeks. I've heard a lot of three, maybe four weeks. There's only five weeks left in the season. So does he return in the regular season? Does he play limited minutes? Is he limited at all in the playoffs? Those those things are huge variables. But the more important point to me, as good as Phoenix has looked and as natural as he has been able to sort of integrate into their system, the playoffs are all about how you respond to the various matchups. The reason you play an 82-game season is because, allegedly, you should learn a bunch of different challenges and tests and, okay, we're prepared for this scenario, that scenario. And whether he comes back in the regular season in the final two weeks, one week, or not at all, there's that's just not a lot of runway for you to gain the proper chemistry. So I think they'll be tested, and I do think that this um, harms their uh, championship aspirations. Well, they have the third toughest remaining schedule in the NBA. So Kevin Durant for that would have been helpful, obviously. And this is kind of even bigger picture. Like this is kind of the problem trading depth for a star. I'm not saying that they should not have done it, but this is the risk you run, right? If you trade so many pieces for one big star and then that star gets hurt, now you're sort of left without anything. And that's kind of where the Suns are. Like the Suns are left with Devin Booker and Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, who were their trio, obviously, before Kevin Durant got there, but now there is no Mikal Bridges. There is no Cam Johnson. There is not, none of those other things. And so you're still playing like the Josh Kogis and Tory Craigs and the Wainwrights and all this kind of stuff. And you're going to be asking them to do even more than you were asking them to do before Durant got hurt while you had Durant. Uh, and they were already being asked to do a lot. So this is the risk. Obviously the reward is propping up that champion window, championship window and, and having obviously Kevin Durant. To me, it all comes back down to Devin Booker. And the one, to me, the biggest bright spot after trading for Kevin Durant, other than obviously having Kevin Durant for the Suns, was that Devin Booker, like, he didn't sacrifice anything. His He started scoring more. It was crazy. Right. His point totals since he started playing with Durant, 37 points, 35 points, 36 points, and 44 points. 
His usage rate hasn't really changed. Durant, obviously, is a very malleable superstar to play with. But Devin Booker just had so much space. And, and you could argue that Booker and Durant were like the best duo in the NBA the way that they were playing. Now you obviously don't have that. But hopefully for Devin Booker, he now it's up to him to basically carry the team the way that he wasn't carrying him before. But he's got to keep scoring like that. I mean, Devin Booker has been injured this season and yet is still having the best year of his career. He's having the most efficient scoring season of his career, highest effective field goal percentage, highest uh, true shooting percentage. He's also averaging the most points per game of his career at 27.6. So I, it's almost underrated the kind of year that Devin Booker yeah. has had and the level he's been performing at this year. Mm -hmm. So I'm not as, as worried about them in the standings, although if we take a look at their schedule – they do have a tough game coming up against Sacramento over the weekend. This is the, Their upcoming games are all tough. Sacramento, Golden State, Milwaukee. Um, and that's home, away, home. So they're tough. And then, as you mentioned, it's, it doesn't really get easier. They've got Lakers. They've got the Kings. They've got Philadelphia. They've got Denver twice. Uh, and the Lakers and Clippers again. So they play a bunch of good teams. It's going to be a battle. Um, I just look at their playoff odds and say they're going to likely enter the playoffs with very, very little chemistry and yeah. uh, and and won't have a clear identity or what they're trying to accomplish. I'm still a little bit more bullish on Phoenix. I think that as long as you have Kevin Durant in the playoffs, I, I think there's enough talent for them to figure it out. But I will say, given how well the Nuggets are playing, I, before Kevin Durant's injury, there was real debate. Hey, you know, the Suns, by the time the regular season – Will they be considered the favorites in the Western Conference, even over the Denver Nuggets, who are running away with the number one seed? And now I, I, I don't feel as bullish on the Phoenix Suns as opposed when I when you put them right against the Denver Nuggets. But in terms of the rest of the field, what's going on with Memphis? I love the Sacramento Kings. I, I don't really put them in the inner circle of contenders. We just talked about the issues. Of the I, I, are going can through I push the Clippers. back on that a little bit? What? Why? I just wonder why. Because I they can't guard on. anybody. You just not with that defense. I love the Sacramento Kings, and that's the last bad thing you're going to make me say about the Sacramento Kings, but they can't guard anybody. I just, it's one of those things where it's almost become this axiom. While every other team, the lower seeds, keep showing us that all of their problems, the Kings just keep winning. And, yeah. but yet it keeps getting discounted. And I'm not even saying it's wrong. I just, it's interesting. They, by the way, the NBA, the NBA schedule really has, is working out. Um, their upcoming games, they played, you know, the Knicks tonight as we're recording this, they're up 10 points about ready to head into the fourth, but you got, they have the Suns bucks coming up back to back. I mean, those are huge tests for them and I'm kind of excited for it because they need tested. Um, all right, let's move on to the MVP race. Um, I even debated whether or not I wanted to talk about this Adam because it's just like not been a fun conversation, but that's almost now the conversation around it, I think. And yeah. You know, last year it wasn't great either because it was basically Nikola Jokic versus Joel Embiid. And then that sort of devolved into nerds versus like eye test people. And I didn't like that. And it became like these two different parties going against each other. And what matters more, like stats or eye test or whatever. Right. And, and and that became that weird conversation. That wasn't any fun. And now it's somehow worse. And you've got now Kendrick Perkins basically implying that some of the voters are racist because they don't just all this stuff. And I got it. It's just become like this toxic thing. And I don't remember the MVP conversation always being like this. It was always heated, right? You had your dudes, but it was more of like a basketball conversation. Like this guy's more important and kind of just dumb esoteric things. Like, well, is it best player on best team? Does it really matter if your teammates aren't that great around you? Like all that kind of stuff, which makes for like just bar talk. 
But now it just feels like politics. It feels like two parties against each other. And and like like last year, like again, like the nerds versus right. the eye test group. And then now when you involve the race aspect into it, I know it was just one guy. I know it was just one. It was just a couple of days of rhetoric. But like, I don't like where it's going. And and I just think that it, it should be a great MVP race because it, it's actually really cool that it's, we're kind of talking about the same three players for the third straight year. That to me, going back to rivalries, like that's a real cool almost kind of rivalry thing, but instead it just turns into this toxic, toxic, gross conversation. I think that in the NBA, and this has been a, a rapid evolution over the last 10 years or so, everything is just a proxy war for something else. And I don't think that any player represents that more than Nikola Jokic, who, as you mentioned last year, it was a proxy war for analytics versus eye test. In years past, it's been a, a proxy war for Americans versus uh foreign-born and especially European-born players, and this year now becoming a proxy war for black versus white. And so it's unfortunate because I don't think any of those things, you know, actually should be part of the conversation. But unfortunately, that is how it works. And the irony of it all for me is that basketball is great because it is such a mixture of individual brilliance and collaboration, you know, your ability, yeah. that brilliance is ability to fit in with something uh, with other players. And there is an irony to me that Jokic is one of the best all-time collaborators, yet he's a lightning rod in terms of trying to uh, analyze his value as an individual. There's a real irony to that that I think almost makes this specific conversation so absurd. And it's getting to the point now where the advanced stats don't even really matter. Like this is the raw stats, the triple doubles, like anything, the, t the fact that his team is winning and all these things, I'm not even saying, I'm not even campaigning that should be, he should be the runaway candidate. I think between him and Giannis, you could talk me into either one right now. And I, I think that there'd be a fun conversation to be had about that. We're not having that fun conversation. Well, I think part of that is though, the, you know, there are a lot of things I think for people to think about. And one of them is, I think it was in 2013, LeBron was not unanimous. I believe somebody voted for Carmelo Anthony as the MVP, which Carmelo Anthony didn't get any second or third place votes, but he did somehow get one first place vote. And I remember at the time people rioting almost, how could you do this? How could somebody, I think we now miss the times of that random weird vote here or there, because <laughs> there is a lot of, since we start talking about this in November, I think there is a lot of people coming to a consensus maybe out of fear or pressure, but I think more just out of human nature. When you see somebody else, you naturally, somebody says something, you're more inclined to consider that option. Yeah. So I think that that is the one thing that people are also pushing back on is, hey, are we sure that we're not just making, sucking the mystery and the absurdity? Maybe that absurdity of the weird votes is the thing that tied all of this together. I do think there is a pushback happening. Um, and I, I think there is a little bit of a pushback too on, and this is sort of the advanced stats thing, is when everybody is saying, look, Jokic is the overwhelming favorite or whoever, but lately it has been Jokic and it might be for the third straight year. And and somebody wants to bring up another argument, it feels like that person bringing up another argument is just shot down as somebody that doesn't really understand right. what's going on and doesn't understand the value of Jokic. Where, in, and, I, and that's why I think there's some pushback from the people who just want to be heard for another conversation. Like I said, you can make a strong case for Giannis. Last year, there was a really strong case for Joel Embiid, like a really, really strong case for Joel Embiid. And yet, it, it just, it, it kind of feels like there's like, uh, almost like this elite class of of analytic people who, can, who, who have kind of taken it upon themselves to right. push Jokic. And it, I'm not saying it's wrong. It just feels like that group is the group that, that, that pushes Jokic the most. Yeah. 
and and I can get it. I can understand if like former players and people that don't really care about that stuff, they're kind of they're politicizing I, I this now. Hold on, hold on a second. Yeah. This is an idea because I hear this all the time that it's like, well, but and former players are pushing back. I mean, Gilbert Arenas came out emphatically endorsing Jokic as his MVP. Tracy McGrady right. had come out and yeah, said not all of them. Draymond Green came to his defense today. So I just want – because there's a lot of this, oh, Jokic, it's because of the advanced analytics, but not players or this or that. And it's not true. There's a mix of people that look at a, a number of different things, including former players. Kevin Garnett has come to his defense this week saying, are you kidding? This guy's unbelievable. So but – but the bigger, broader point is MVP voters – don't watch that much basketball. Not because they're lazy at their job, because it's impossible to watch that much basketball. There's 30 teams. Right. There's 30 teams to keep track of. You watch a selection of games. Not usually it's nationally televised games. And then whenever the team you're covering is in town, you know, you you obviously catch them there. And over the course of the season, the average MVP voter probably watches Jokic 15 times, Embiid 15 times, and so on and so forth. But what you can go to is the st- is the stats. And Jokic's regular stats and advanced stats always pop. That doesn't mean he should be the MVP. But the one thing you can kind of go to and say, okay, we're all going to watch about 15 games and we're all going to look at the stats. He's almost always going to shine the brightest in the stats. And when when you watch those 15 games, he dominates. And when you watch those, he's good too. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I just, I wish that the conversation was better on both sides. I'm not just saying it's the, it's the Kendrick Perkins of the world that are, that are obviously screwing it up and taking it to a whole nother level. But I also just think that you shouldn't be called stupid if you don't say, if you want to bring up another argument. And that's, it just kind of feels like that sometimes, you know what I, I mean? I think we put too much emphasis on the individual in basketball and I get why we do it. We started yeah. with Michael Jordan, you know, I think even with Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, they were collaborative stars and you love their teams, right? The Lakers, the Celtics with Jordan, it just became such an individual thing, a lot of marketing and this or that. And I think that we have confused ourselves by how much weight we put on an individual's brilliance. And, and, that to me is part of what this anxiety, this like collective anxiety about the conversation stems from is we really should be talking about what kind of teams matter. That should be the higher honor. And I know people say a championship is a higher honor, but what I mean is how good is the team? How good do you make a team? Not just how good does an individual carry a bad team? Who would you vote for for MVP? Who would I vote for? <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I know this sounds like a cop-out, I would probably have my vote open at this at this moment. I think okay. that if I were ranking them, it would be Jokic and Giannis. Man, Embiid's coming on strong again. I yes. think he fell behind and he's back on the climb up. So I would say it probably goes Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, probably in that order. But yeah. but you could switch in Giannis and Jokic to me right now. And Embiid is the one that is sort of like with a bullet. He's he's surging. Um, yeah, I mean, he's got the strongest case or I, you're right. He's surging. He's gone on the run right now. Filling out what it's the top five on that bracket. Isn't it? That's, I mean, then you got, there's a level that goes down after that. And then part of this is just the the matter of, I know people have talked about the Jokic winning these MVPs these last few years. You know, who probably is the favorite to win an MVP over the last three years, but that didn't happen because of injury is Kevin Durant. I know Kevin Durant when healthy has been phenomenal. Two years ago, he missed the entire season. That was what his age 32 season in a normal year. He's healthy and he likely at the very least competes for that. LeBron James missed a lot of time. Like a lot of the guys that typically would be competing un- have unfortunately been injured during the span. That's part of this equation. Kawhi Leonard. There we go. Steph Curry. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah, like- just throw somebody could vote for Carmelo Anthony again. Why not? Um, <laughs> I'm just saying that if they were healthy, they probably would have yes. 
won or competed for one of those in a way that would have made this a different story. Yeah. Well, which team is facing a must-win game to make the playoffs or, or the play-in tournament this weekend? We're going to talk about that next. But first, today's episode of Locked On NBA is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Well, the NBA season is almost over, and the here and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sportsbook because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. And guess what? We just talked about Kevin Durant's injury. According to FanDuel, the Sacramento Kings have now moved ahead of the Phoenix Suns with the best odds to win the Pacific Division, moving from a plus 30 to a minus 125. So maybe your chance to get in on the Suns if you think that KD is going to come back early or the Suns can maintain or, or and then maybe overtake the Sacramento Kings. Some interesting movement at this point in the season. What was that but, line coming into the year? My God. Right. Oh, my God. If you had the Kings early, good for you, man. Like, wow. They were probably uh, fifth. Didn't you and I do something before the season and said we both like the Sacramento Kings? Are we really I mean, right we on that? Talk about liking the Kings. I, I mean, I can't. The Kings and the Thunder were the two teams I really liked, and they yeah. both are hit their over. We also so really like the Minnesota Timberwolves, but we're not going to talk about that. Hey, man, they they're, they're going to hit their over too, aren't they? They're at their, well, maybe not, maybe maybe not. But they're looking good. Uh, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. It's Friday, which means we're counting down to the weekend with our weekly power rankings. Adam, what do you have for us this week? I got a great slate of games coming up this weekend. It's not quite as good as last week's, which, by the way, lived up to the hype yep. uh, once again. But there are still five bangers. I have three honorable mentions. I've got Knicks at Clippers, which takes place Saturday. The Knicks, by the way, as I'm watching this, storm back a one-point game. They oh, might boy. actually beat Sacramento uh, with this late second-half push here. Uh, but Knicks at Clippers um, – It'll be another great game. I feel like the Knicks are the Clippers of the East and vice versa. So I kind of like this matchup. The Knicks also, while they're in town, are going to play the Lakers. Maybe I should have discounted this for the LA thing because you've got a Saturday and Sunday game in Los Angeles. Are the Knicks going to, are they going 0 2 here? Are the Knicks like that? I don't know. Feels like, I, uh, Feels like they're gonna get it. I feel like they keep it together. I feel like they keep it pretty tight. They're surging right now, so I mean, yeah. maybe they're motivated. And then the other game that just missed the cut was Blazers at Pelicans, okay. which is a great one, by the way. I mean, the Blazers are on life support. Uh, the Pelicans also, also on life support. I feel, yeah. like, I feel like whichever team loses this drastically reduces their odds yeah. of making the play-in tournament. Uh, yeah. And the Pelicans are on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, so tough one there. But none of those made my top five. My top five, you're familiar with, or my number five, you're familiar with, because it just happened. Cavs at Heat on Friday. Yeah, Wednesday night's game was a great one. Came down to the final shot. Um, it, it both team, you have the Kevin Love storyline, which is really interesting. That's right. And, um, and you have talking about not necessarily life support, but you have the Miami Heat who have uh, this is the final game of their big six game homestand. If they win this one, they're three mm. and three. If they lose it, obviously we know the math on that. Um, and it's not so good. This is, it's not a must win game for the Miami Heat, but the Brooklyn Nets are here winning a bunch of games in a row. I know they just 
recently lost, but before that they had won three in a row and kind of maintaining the gap between the six and seven seats of the heat. All these games really count. And then obviously uh, a game against the Cavaliers kind of helps you set a bar against playoff competition. Is there a, a team that Miami matches up better with Philadelphia or Boston? Um, well, they kind of, they have rented space in the collective minds of both of those teams. Okay. I think, and so, but I would, if you had to, if I had to pick one as the better matchup for Miami, I would just, I think the Sixers would be yeah. the preferable matchup only because I think the Celtics are better. Okay. Okay. A little Jimmy Butler storyline there. I mean, I could see him getting in their heads. We'll see. Um He's done a great year and it's kind of flown under the radar. The other number four game of the weekend, Mavericks at Grizzlies. Grizzlies got a big one tonight to sort yeah. of stop the bleeding. And then the Mavs are reeling right now, 34 and 33. Another loss. The thing about the Mavs, when they traded for Kyrie, where were they? The five seed? Mm -hmm. They are now the eight seed. And with a loss, they will be tied for the 10 seed. So a big game for the Dallas that's really reeling at the moment. Uh, and of course, with Memphis, that is now tied in the lost column with Sacramento. It's another one of those games that could flip. So any game that can flip two different teams in the standings out West is big. And I just want to shout out, because we even talk about the fact that the Grizzlies won the game. We talked more about the Warriors losing the game. Desmond Bain, 21 points and six assists uh, tonight against the Warriors. He's really stepped up uh, with John Morant out, and he's going to have to step up in this one. Yeah. Number three game of the weekend, Thunder at Pelicans. Are the Thunder still in it? I'm not sure. I think they are. Sort of, kind of. You know, they're, they're uh, what is it? They're a game back of uh, the Pelicans at the 10 seed. Yeah. Another one. So Pelicans play Portland and the Thunder. If they win both of those games, they kind of, I don't want to say eliminate, but you get a pretty commanding lead on two of the three teams that are chasing you for the final play-in spot. If you lose, Adam, that's both, not going to happen. The Pelicans, the Pelicans don't win two games in a row anymore. That's just not what. The, it's not what they do. It's not going to happen. Are they both at? Yeah, they're both at. Technically, home. it would be three games in a row if they won these two games. Yeah. Well, there you go. What a sad story the Pelicans are. I know. Number two, you've got Brandon Ingram biting teammates on the what? What's going yeah, on that with that? Is he, is he watching too much of uh, the, the the Last of Us? I don't get. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. I'm gonna go. I mean, I almost got hot takey. I won't do it. I'll pass. I almost had some okay. Brandon Ingram slander slander for the pod, but I won't do it. Uh, number two, Bucks at Warriors. At the moment, it's hard to say the Warriors are like a great you know matchup. They're just not looking like it. But guess what? This game's at home where the Warriors are 27 and seven. It's Steph Curry's return to home since his injury. Yep. And then obviously the Milwaukee Bucks, I think the best team in basketball. So this one becomes a must win in a lot of ways for the Warriors. And they're going up in the toughest competition. Yeah. Hoping Giannis plays for this one. The Bucks are 20 and 12 on the road. They know how to win on the road. Yep. Uh, obviously a, a great game. And the other thing too is they have so, obviously the Bucks have a ton of size with Giannis and Brooke Lopez. The Warriors have uh, have done a much better job of combating size at home. So seeing that go head to head, I mean, this is like the ultimate test about whether or not the Warriors can can handle that. And and I I kind of have a sense of how that's going to go. But I'm like I said earlier, the Warriors have the Bucks and the Suns, and then they go on a five game road stand, uh, yeah, road trip. If you if you lose both of those and you go to zero and five since Steph Curry's return with five road games face square uh, looking you in the face. I just I think that's going to be tough for them. Even if I think for the same as the Suns, the Lakers, and the Warriors, even if you sprint to the finish line from here because you have to, you're going to be exhausted. I think there's yeah. something to just picking up these games and the fact that they went zero and three put them behind the eight ball. So we'll see. And then my number one game, 
I love it. A little bit of a hipster pick, to be honest, for the number one Ooh. spot. Sacramento Kings versus Phoenix Suns. That right is the now, number one. Yeah. Number three seed in the West versus the yep. number four seed. The Suns surging, even though Kevin Durant's out, they still can eye that three seed. Do you want that one? Um, you know, and then also this is just a bit of a prove it game. We talked about Sacramento and no one taking them seriously. One way you get taken seriously is you beat the good best teams in the uh in the NBA. So I think that's a great game. I'm excited for it. Is this like does this have potential to be another like 170 to 170 game? Man, it's a good question. I don't think it'll be like that. I don't think it'll be that high scoring. Man, you're really you're really low on the Kings' defense. They gave that up one time. <laughs> that that's more times than anybody else has. That's true. Um, this is an important game for Phoenix, though, because right now they are oh, I'm sorry, it's an important game for Sacramento because the 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 Kings are 0-2 against the Suns so mm. far this year. They catch a little bit of a break, obviously, with KD being out. They do have two more games. Uh, both of those games are going to happen without Kevin Durant, right? And like we were talking about earlier, they traded away all their depth. They don't have Kevin Durant for these games. So a chance maybe for Sacramento uh, to, to if they win these two games, then you kind of get back into the mix of owning that tiebreaker. Um, and that goes back to conference record, which it's too early to tell. They're, they're so tight in conference record that it's too early to tell what's going to happen there. But important games for the Sacramento Kings. And if you go up, I mean, we'll see what happens with Sacramento. Again, as, as we're recording this tie game, eight minutes to go. But at the moment, they're six, 26 losses, Phoenix 29. If you can win that game and create a full game separation, extra game separation with 15 to go, your odds skyrocket that you'll win the division. So for me, Sacramento's got to eye this game and say, yeah, this is huge for us. Darren Fox versus uh, Devin Booker, Kentucky ties. I mean, it's all good. <laughs> It's all, it's all there. It's all there. It's everything you need. A rivalry. Not not, not really, but whatever. Um, all right. That's it. That was your number one, right? That was my number one. Love it. Another great weekend of basketball coming to you. And then Locked on NBA will be back to you on Monday. But for now, thanks for making Locked on NBA your first listen every day. Now make your second listen. Game to game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on game to game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Adam, have a great weekend. You as well.